What is up, podcast community? My name is Michael Chernow, and this is the Creatures of Habit podcast. Habits are everything, and on this show, I will be interviewing some of the most inspiring, motivated, and high-performing humans on the planet to learn about the daily habits, routines, and rituals that help keep them focused, determined, on top of their game, and ultimately, happy. My journey from the depths of addiction and misery to success as a family man and serial entrepreneur was only made possible by replacing bad habits with great ones. And my mission in life today is to share that story and the story of others with you to bring value and life-changing tools to as many people as possible. So sit back, relax, and pay attention because what you hear in this podcast today can potentially change your life. Let's go. What's going on, guys? I'm Mike Chernow, and this is the Creatures of Habit podcast. Welcome back today. I have an amazing guest, uh, a guy named Tyler Schmidt. We've bumped shoulders a bunch over the last probably three, four years, maybe five years, something like that. Tyler is the general manager of 1.37 p.m., which is the pub- a publication of Vayner Media. Um, Tyler started at Vayner when he was 22 years old, nine years ago, uh, working with Gary Vaynerchuk, who's a buddy and, um, and an investor in Creatures of Habit. I am fired up to have Tyler on the show, though, because... He has obviously got some incredible insight on all things ranging from business to habits to lifestyle to sports to everything uh, working at Vayner for so long. Tyler, welcome to the show, my man. Thank you for having me, bro. I appreciate it. I've been looking forward to it. Dude, can you just give us a a quick bio, who you are, how you ended up where you are, and what it's like today? Yeah. Uh, my name is Tyler Schmidt. I grew up in a town, Montclair, New Jersey. Uh, went to and graduated Montclair High School, and I say that uh, went to public school in Montclair, and I think that was a, a very impactful thing for me. Uh, I graduated in 2009. I uh, played a ton of sports growing up. Lacrosse was really my life, but it was anything: soccer, basketball, pickup. I uh, I wasn't 100 pounds, so I think like the summer after my freshman year in high school, so mm-hmm. I, I was. Uh, I was more intuitive player than any sort of like strength or, or style. Um, and uh, I then went on to Penn State. My father went to Penn State. His two brothers went to Penn State. An older cousin of mine went to Penn State. My older sister went to Penn State. My younger sister went to Penn State. Wow. Uh, it's the only school I applied to. And it's funny, I, I bring that up because I, I have over the 31 years of my life a lot of the major decisions that I think I've had to make have been just very like linear and kind of simplistic at times. So that was a, a foregone conclusion for a long period of time. Uh, I studied hotel restaurant and management, uh, hotel restaurant institutional management at Penn State, which I'm not sure you, you knew. I, I did was a not know that. Major. Um, I grew up working in restaurants, and I also think that it has impacted my life greatly. I think being of service is like the most uh, humbling and amazing thing that you can do. And I think it teaches you a lot about business. Mm. Um, so I graduated and a lot of my colleagues were going to work at the Dardens and Hyatts and Hilton's of the world, big corporations, probably the sexiest thing that someone was doing at that time was coming out and working at like Shake Shack. I was kind of like startup environment 2013. is when I graduated there and I took a job at a company called the taco truck. Uh, fast casual was, was on and popping 
at this that time. This is in Jersey? This was in Jersey, yep. Um, they had one uh, brick-and-mortar location on Newark Street in Hoboken, and they had a truck. Um, and the reason I did that, and I pretty much by all my colleagues and my mentors and what have you in college was laughed at as making a poor decision because I've always thought about putting yourself in positions where you can punch above your weight um, mm. and, and be able to have some sort of say in decision-making and, and process and learning through doing. Um, and so, yeah, I, I got to know uh, the guy that was running it uh, and they gave me an opportunity, which is weird actually to say that I was the assistant general manager. Now I'm a general manager in a similar role of the restaurant in Hoboken, tiny little spot, college degree, you know, in debt, what have you. And I'm like going and, and working and running this place did called they, Taco Did they Truck. crush? Did they kill it? Yeah, we were, we were killing it at the time. And, and the real reason I took the role is we were opening a much bigger location out in Morristown, New Jersey. Um, and I got to oversee and be really integral in the process, essentially from it being an empty parking lot to a fully functioning up and running restaurant. Mm. And I loved it. Hiring, training, um, you know, helping with ordering supplies, everything up to opening night, you know, got alive. Uh, and then for like the next three or four weeks, uh, I was miserable. I was running shifts. I was cleaning the kitchen and it just wasn't my thing. Uh, mm. I, I definitely don't like doing dishes, <laughs> you know, just personally, I like cleaning up was always something that always, I love preparing. I love making stuff actually mentally now have come to enjoy it more like cooking. And then the actual cleanup of it is, is therapeutic <laughs> at times. Um, but it was, I was, a, it was a Sunday probably. So it was September. I took the job in like April is when I started or May. And I was watching football with my boys, and I had to go work like a 5 to 11 Sunday shift. And I got in the car, and I was sobbing, crying in tears, and I didn't want to go to work. Uh, and that day I quit, six months into having a college degree in hospitality, uh, and decided that's not what I wanted to do. And everyone's like, you're quitting without having a job lined up, all these things. Um, and by grace of God, the guy that owned the taco truck, his wife worked in marketing, connected me with someone named Mickey Cloud, took a couple of different coffees, uh, and got a shot to start working at VaynerMedia, which at the time was a little niche social media marketing agency of about 250 people. Um, and I walked into an office that was a floor of immense amount of young people that clearly had a vibe and a culture. I think there was some 50 cent plan on the Sonos, and I was like, I'm in heaven. Uh, and since that day, November 11th, 2013, I've pretty much worked. And it's been my life uh, kind of being a part of that company. Um, about eight months in, again, serendipity-wise, the person I was sitting across from was roommates with Gary's assistant at the time. They knew I liked to play basketball. I got invited to be like the 10th man in Gary's weekly basketball pickup run in New York City. And I was living out in Montclair at the time. My mom used to drive me once a week to the 4.30 train. I'd take that into the city to play basketball with Gary and AJ and a crew. That led to AJ offering me the potential to be his assistant, which I jumped at back to the service thing was something that really excited me. Mm -hmm. um, the chance to learn, the chance to be of service, the chance to just like help and be a yes I got it yes I'll handle it kind of kind of guy um, I did that from June 2014 and AJ then stepped away from the business I did that for two and a half years I was set to move to London to be one of the five people to open our London office which was probably two years later I'd say in 2016 
Um, and just before leaving, Gary's assistant was moving on, and he asked me to stay back in New York and, and be his admin. Um, so from 2016 up until last February, I was essentially on Gary's hip day-to-day, 24-7, helping him out with a plethora of things. Um, that role grew and took on a many different forms and aspects mm-hmm. when you and I started to get tight and um, really was heavily relationship-based. And, you know, Gary's world is insane and massive, and there's a lot of other people that also played parts in, in the structure and aspects of it. Um, but it's been a true blessing. And uh, then, we, then COVID happened, and... All in Challenge happened, and V Friends happened, and um, we, we've done these amazing things. And now I think it's been about 14 months that I moved over to leading 1:37 p.m., which is a media publication, uh, modern-day men's publication, put out content really in all forms and mediums. I'm really excited to get to print uh, soon enough. Um, get to print. Yeah, wow. just do some do some print stuff. I think I think that's that that will be very cool. Yeah, mm. I think the pendulum is is swinging in a lot of ways post-COVID to this being in person, tactile. Reading uh, things, reading, like you feeling, know, feeling yeah. the things. Yeah, I, I love to read. I have no interest in using a Kindle. Mm-hmm. Like it's like it's a different activity in my mm-hmm. opinion. And so it's been an amazing journey. I, I'm again fortunate and grateful. It feels like I've been able to, by serendipity, be placed in you know this world that has such positive energy, optimism. You know, like an outlook on the world that is plus some and the networking and the relationships that I've made over the time has just been unbelievable. And I'm excited to keep going with it. There's so many things that I feel like I can point out in that story that people can learn from. The two that really stood out to me, one being, doesn't matter how much energy you put towards something in the learning process. When you get out there and actually put it into action Mm -hmm. and find out that it doesn't make you happy, yeah. it's okay to change your mind. Yeah. And I can only imagine the amount of pressure sitting on your shoulders at what, 23 years old, mm-hmm. when you decided that day in the car that like going into that restaurant was actually making you miserable mm-hmm. and you pulled the plug on it. Some people would say that's quitting. I think other people would say that's winning Yeah. because so many fucking people decide to continue doing shit that they don't want to do. Actually, like they genuinely don't want to do it, mm-hmm. but they are either, there's too much fear around quitting yeah. or pulling the plug on it, mm-hmm. or they just don't have the self-confidence enough to say, this is actually how I feel. This is actually what I, I have the confidence to go out and do something better that's going to make me happier. Yeah. Um, so I, I love the fact that you just like made that call and that yeah. was it. You, you, you did that. And then you also walked into another brand new situation, zero experience in that field yeah. industry role um, and put your head down and did what you were asked. Yeah. And I think more people need to hear that, right? Like being a, being a business owner and an entrepreneur myself for the last 13, 14 years, I love the idea with working with people of all ages, sizes, and shapes. And when I found it, when I, when I launched Creatures, I really wanted there to be some super experience and some greenery. You know, I really wanted greenery too. I wanted both. Mm-hmm. And so 
what I learned about the greenery though, when I say greenery, I mean the younger demographic, yeah. is that there is, because of the internet yeah. and the access and the capabilities today and the, the ability to create content and all these things, there's a level of entitlement that the younger demographic just walks into the into every day with yeah. right like I know that if I I know that I can actually make this much doing this mm -hmm. um, so that when I walk into a situation that's actually going to pave a path for a real opportunity ownership of a company growth in a in a in a, in a in a in a role that like would potentially be non-attainable 20 yeah. years ago there's a level of entitlement that I think is totally uncalled for mm -hmm. and I believe that that and I'm not it, it's not like a hey you should be doing this mm -hmm. it's a hey you should just be open to doing this for sure when you walk in with blinders on saying this is how much money I'm gonna make this is what I need to do I'm 24 years old I'm young I'm fresh I'm gonna go out there and kill it yeah. yes yeah. all good confidence off the hook love yeah. it however there is a journey that one has to take for sure to the first part you know like because I remember clear as day, like there's something going on social right now. I was talking about it yesterday. You might start seeing it pop up. People are talking about core memories. Like we all have these core memories mm -hmm. and uh, you know how social now works trendy. Someone starts to do something, everyone starts to do, you know, that thing. I, and uh, I was thinking about posting like some, a core memory of mine is getting in that car, crying and being like, I've hit the point that I have to make this decision. I think probably the reason many know something that they want to do but don't do it, such as leaving a relationship, moving to a new place, starting a new job, what happened, have you, is just this, this dissonance between what you want and what you're willing to do to get there. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, some of the more major life decisions comes down to, am I letting other people down? And people are afraid to let other people down at the behest of their own self mm -hmm. because it's a lot of work to have those conversations tough no one wants to have tough conversations etc but what's the what happens immediately after those the best feelings the best emotions everything so like in life mm -hmm. i'm always trying to think about we all have hopes and dreams and wants and like whether it's be a bajillionaire whether it's have a family what have you and then there's the okay what does it take to get there and i think a lot of sadness or anxiety or anger at the world comes from the I really want this and not the other part which is analyzing understanding what it takes to get there and then putting it into work and creating that barometer of am I willing to do that because if not that's super okay but then you need to adjust <laughs> what you actually want right so I think that that is and it's funny I spoke with someone yesterday that was going through some real life stuff and made the decision the tough decision and was on the other side of it and I always whenever I speak with people about that I'm like how good does it feel to be on the other side this podcast is brought to you by you guessed it creatures of habit Creatures of Habit is a lifestyle and wellness brand. We launched the brand with a product called The Protagonist. It is a superhuman oatmeal. It is not just regular oatmeal. It is plant-based, dairy-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, packed with 30 grams of plant-based protein, omega-3 fatty acids, vitamin D3, probiotic, digestive enzymes, truly the best thing you can put in your body to kickstart your day 
used as a pre-workout meal or a post-workout meal. This is a meal, everybody. This is not a snack. This is a meal. It is perfect for on the go. Use promo code K-O-H-P-O-D-20, the number 20. That's K-O-H-P-O-D-20 at checkout when you pop over to creaturesofhabit.com. That is creatures with a K, creaturesofhabit.com. We appreciate you, we love you, and now on to the pod. You know, I just have to touch on that because I feel like that is, you know, a lot of the, my belief system is pretty simple, right? I've shared about it a lot over the years. There's only one way to get from want to have. There's only one way, and that's to do, right? Like, you can't get from want to have and wait. That doesn't work. You can't get from want to have and rely on others, just it just doesn't work. Yeah. The only way to get from want to have is to actually do, right? Yeah. And I also know that there's something really special on the other side of fear. Yeah. I call it freedom, yeah. right? It's the good feeling, happiness, you know, like almost like an, a euphoria when you get through something very, mm-hmm. very scary. And that could be as small as... Uh, a conversation that you need to have with your significant other yep. about something that's really uncomfortable, yeah. right? And you can hold, you can manage, you can hold that in, and you can brush it under the rug, and you can let that shit fester and let that shit manifest, and then ultimately break up, yeah, because it just gets too heavy. Yeah. Um, so it could be as small as that, or it could be as large as deciding to completely change your life and get sober, yep. right? Feeling like, which is my experience, feeling like you have this. Um, this blanket of of uh, protection mm-hmm. from everything in the world, and you know that you can always slip right into it, yeah. and you know that it's always there for you, no matter what. You believe that it's your sidekick that, and then making the call to just whoosh, rip it off. Right? What's on the other side of that fear? What's on the other? Like, is there anything on the other side of that fear? Mm-hmm. The question that I think people need to ask themselves. Like that big, scary monster that is staring you in the face, the, the relationship, the job, the l- relocation, the marriage, the kids, the divorce, the, like all of it, yeah. the big, scary stuff, like guaranteed, guaranteed that not running as fast as you can towards, towards it, it is not going. Yeah. I think about it in work a lot, right? Like... A lot of times, the thing that you know you need to do stares you in the face. And for some, time, for some reason, because this might be a difficult conversation or you're not sure how to play it, and how you play it might indicate to everyone else whether you know what you're doing or not know what you're doing, and you kind of keep it to the side. I, I, talk, I mentally have the personal conversation a lot of times, like because you see it's procrastination or whatever. Like, no, you got to run at that thing. Like go at it as hard as possible. What's going to happen? What like what what could po- what's the worst thing that happen? You die. Yeah. And I say that with like I'm not like coming from a I've beaten that or protected or, like it's just me and my buddy Andy laugh a lot. Um, we've been very close to Gary. My buddy Andy is the president of V Friends and uh, you know we talk a lot about just you know, we've watched Gary do his thing for the past nine years. When I met Gary, he was overweight and had 10,000 followers on Instagram. Um, he, he lives his life in continuum, we say. 
And what I mean by that is it's, it's one way. It's forward. And there's, there's, only, that, there's only one direction that occurs forward. You can't go backwards. Can't, so you got to make, make the call and go. And, and how the chips will fall is how they'll fall. But if you just spend all your time standing, debating how the chips are going to fall, if they just you know, keep stacking. Like when, keep when stacking. you say that, like what, what that reminds me of, and then I want to get into habits because it's important that we touch yeah. on that stuff. But when you say that, like, you know, the forward, the, 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 like never not progressing, which I 1000% absolutely subscribe to. However, if you think about it, like a runner, mm-hmm. right? Like a runner never runs backwards. A runner never really runs in place. A runner is always going to run forwards. And the most successful runners have always have like amazing running shoes. Mm-hmm. They have like the most comfortable clothes for them to actually get to the end of the marathon. They've got awesome nutrition. They've got training partners. They've got all these things, right? And so when, when you think about a guy like Gary and you compare him to like a runner, you know, he surrounds himself with all the best people, Mm -hmm. right? Like he is able to continue to move forward. You know, his philosophy of like, you know, like, yeah, do one thing, do it well, like go fuck yourself. Like I'm gonna do 17,000 things. And the reason why he's able to do that, and I agree with him because I also have to be like, kind of like a bunch of different things is because you surround yourself with people that are, that you ask for help from all the time yeah. and that genuinely believe you yeah. and want to help you because they see everybody succeed. Correct. What I will say about the runner that has all of those things, they have them because they've been running. Mm-hmm. Like if you've never run and you got the best shoes in the world, the best trainer in the world, the best clothes in the world, the best track in the world, all those things, and you stepped out to do it, you'd be no different than someone who doesn't have any of them. Mm-hmm copy that so the the continue one day at a time one step in front of the other it's the more you do the more you build right and stagnation and what happens is a lot of times say you want to start training for the marathon my approach would be just start running if I can run one mile and then two miles and then three miles I'll start to build the habits of cool, how can I enhance this? How can I enhance this? How can I enhance this? How do I get better? Now what's my program? Da, da, da. But if I just take the first four days, I'm going to run a marathon. And then by the fourth day, I still haven't run because all I'm trying to do is figure out what shoes should I wear? What clothes should I wear? How, am I, how many miles am I supposed to be running? What should I eat before? Mm. What should I eat after? Five days go by and you haven't run. And then you go to run for the mile and you realize that none of those things really mattered anyway unless you get up the next day and do it again. <laughs> Very true. And, and to, before we get into habits, seg into, because I have a, a, a large team of first-time employees that have come out of college into a COVID world and don't know any different, uh, or, yeah, are, de- are, are working in a remote environment at their home and don't necessarily have shared communal oversight, or, hey, why are you outpacing me? Like, you're sitting right next to me, and I keep hanging out and doing nothing and all of a sudden it's four o'clock yet you've been sitting there all day and working your ass off like that puts a fire in my ass that I need to beat you friendly healthy competition um I guess where I was going is just like this the notion of what I always thought about with work and being an employee is there's far more than uh because this is what an engagement is with an with an employer employee in my opinion 
you are paid X salary for X. Those are the requirements. That's your job expectation. You can be meeting that, and there's, that's a transactional thing. I always, and I journal a lot when we get into the habits, every morning would write, put yourself in an uncomfortable situation, put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. Because I believe you need to be using anything that you're doing to continue to build more in the same way of continuing to run forward. So if you're not actively trying to meet new people at a company you work at, or actively trying to be on new projects, or actively putting yourself into positions of things that you don't know, or actively realizing that just because this is what my expectation is, if I'm meeting my expectations, well then, great, whether it's 3% raise, 4% raise, like we, in America, you go for the first 21 years of your life, a C gets you a promotion and a raise. If you think about it, mm -hmm. right? You show up, do the bare minimum. At the end of the year, you move on to the next grade. You get a new teacher. You grow up a little bit. Then you get to the workforce, and you assume that just by showing up, by doing what is assumed for me to be my job, mm -hmm. at the end of the year, you're going to get a promotion, and you're going to get a raise. And I think with Gary and our what I our work and the proximity like and I think where he comes from a lot is it's just meritocracy based mm -hmm. now as you grow a company and you scale a company and you put systems in place and I think about being a general manager of a sports team not every single human can want to be the captain can want to be the face can put up 33 the Warriors played last night you got Jordan Poole coming off the bench the dude just signed a 140 million dollar contract extension mm -hmm. right like How's that going to play out? I don't know. Maybe it plays out and Draymond Green punching him in the face because everyone's confused. Maybe he needs to get punched in the face because he thinks he's the hot shot and he has to like realize what's going on here. But back to the dissonance thing, I think a lot of folks, and I think where the entitlement comes from is people want to be the CEO or get the promotion or get the raise or seen as a winner, yet not realize that unless you're going far above and beyond what is on paper expected of you, well then, how? Why should those things be flowing your way? Yeah, I think that 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 you make it an incredibly powerful point there, and I think it's tough to, you know that. I think people my age know that, but not everybody knows that, and so like. <laughs> Yeah. Everybody who's listening to this passes to all your friends and family. Yeah. Um, you know, because I, I, I do believe that, like, there is a, yeah, 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 no, no, no problem, no problem. Mm -hmm. I, I'll do those things. Mm -hmm. How much more are you paying me? Yeah. It's funny because <laughs> I've been put in that situation, meaning as the employer. Yo, because I come from it as like, oh, this is a big opportunity for you. Yo, you sh cool, can we talk about comp? My comp, because that's outside of what I'm expected to be doing. My response to that, and I'm learning what, right, is like, great, I'm gonna have someone else do it. Mm -hmm. I didn't mean it like that. I was coming to you with this opportunity, you kill that, then we say, cool, now you got that under your belt, boom, he's clearly, or she's clearly able to do that. Should we have a conversation about going forth? And by the way, like something to, like this is not, and I just want to make it clear, this is not taking advantage of people, right? This is not, this is not trying to get the, you know, like pull the wool over somebody's eyes. This is not trying to like, um, um, like be an ingrate, right? This yeah. is basically saying, hey, 
You made the team. You're on the bench. I know you want to start. Yeah. Do me a favor. In practice tomorrow, put out. Yeah. Put out. Yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ask you to do anything that I I, I wouldn't want for you to mm -hmm. do, and I wouldn't do myself. But if you want to play, you're not gonna make more money as a player on the practice squad by putting out more in practice. Yeah. You're just not. However, when you put out more in practice and all the coaches and the GM and everybody sees you putting that mm -hmm. out, sees you giving it everything you've got because you know yeah. this is what you're worth, yeah. why would you not give it everything you've got every single day because you're not guaranteed tomorrow because yeah. tomorrow doesn't exist? Yeah. Why wouldn't you fucking go hard on every in every opportunity and also be able to draw a boundary and be like, boop. Yeah. I think what's the, as a shift in perspective is um, because I find myself to be a very ambitious individual and I come from a lot of these things. And as a manager and as someone that has a team, I'm trying to relearn and teach myself that not everyone wants that where I think it gets tricky is that our society, at least in the greater New York area, LA area, puts those ambitious and amazing people on a pedestal. Elon Musk, big business, influencers, you have X amount of followers, da, 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 like winners and then losers. And I think what Gary's done an amazing job at, and I think in management I'm looking to be better at, is that a lot of people in, inside know what winning is to them, but seemingly get demonized by the outside world for calling that winning. So well, then, so then they just... want that, but aren't willing to do it, and they actually don't even really want that. And so like recreating the framework of like what is winning. And that's where it's like, you can have someone that works at a company for 20 years that doesn't have to be the CEO or the or the COO or even in the C-suite and doesn't have to have gone from making $35,000 to a million dollars in those 20 years, but can use that job and that relationship with an employer and employee to empower a lot of other things in their life that have nothing to do with work, mm. such as owning a home, having a garden, raising kids, whatever that might be, and be very happy with that. But a lot of times people look at that and they're like, that person's a loser. By the way, I just want to say something that that life that you just described is absolute winning for me. Like uh, yeah. I, lo I, I am an ambitious dude and I do uh, want specific things in my life and I, wanna, and I want to be able to support a certain amount of people business-wise in my life. But the house, the, the kids, mm -hmm. the garden, yeah. the dog, that for me, I've learned in the last couple of years, is absolute winning for me, 100%. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how much money I have, how many things I've done. Like I find the most joy on a Saturday morning, genuinely, with my, my wife, watching my seven-year-old son play soccer, my five-year-old son is about to play next. Like that is absolute winning. And I know that maybe it feels a little bit better because I feel like I've accomplished stuff in my business life so that I'm not like stressed out about paying the bills yeah. at the soccer game, which I can totally appreciate. Um, but 
that for me is absolute winning. And, and, and we were talking about, you know, before we started recording, this idea that winning is blown out of proportion. When we hear the word win, we all think about like, you know, the, the raise, the CEO, the millionth follower, the Mount Everest, the, you know, running through the, the, the finish line on a marathon. Mm-hmm. And what I know to be true from my experience and the way I've sort of come from a dark place to like a very, 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 very kind and, and, and warm place in my life is starting with little baby tiny wins every single day and stacking them up mm-hmm. and those wins come in the in the form of self-care self-love i want to get into habits with yeah. you because we are we are talking about habits on the podcast and um and although i thought that you know this would this is definitely uh incredible content and super valuable content morning routine is something that i cherish my morning yeah. routine and to be fair like when i'm traveling i have and i have been traveling a fair bit yeah. lately like it kind of it kind of throws me oh, for a loop right major Major. One thing I will say, and then we'll jump into your morning routine, is mm-hmm. that uh, the beauty of having habits and, cons- and and consistently, you know, applying those habits on a daily basis into your life, ultimately becoming your life, yeah. ultimately becoming your lifestyle, who yeah. you are. They paint Identity, the picture of who you are. Subconscious. Oh, there's a lot of connection. There. <laughs> the beauty of it, though, real quick, before you jump in, is is if you fall off track travel, jet lag, event, late night, whatever, Mm -hmm. and don't get to them in the morning. Um, You've got, you know, like something happens. Or on a Sunday morning, you just decide, boom, you know what, today I really do just want to chill. Like I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. It is okay. I want to clearly define that. It is okay to fall off track for a day or two or three on traveling, on vacation. Like it is okay if you have in my opinion, made this your lifestyle, right? Yeah. Like there is no, there is no chance, there is no um, debating, I think for anyone, that having positive habits in your life is not a better way to be mm-hmm. than not having positive habits in your life. Yeah. And so I don't wanna put pressure on anybody saying you have to do all these things and if you don't do all these things, you're not a winner. Yeah. I'm saying that if you want to feel closer and more confident to yourself yeah. and believe and, and, and build upon your lifestyle, yeah. morning rituals, morning habits, yeah. morning routines in a positive confidence. way. I want to hear your morning habits and your morning routine. Cool, my morning uh, routine, I typically, if I'm, in New York City, and I've been doing a better job. I moved in July, and like even I really got hit with what I think the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like understanding in a real way. And I think habits. I also, as I was thinking about coming in and having this conversation, and we can go there in a million different ways. My morning routine: I wake up typically between six fifteen and six thirty. I get out of bed. I will. Most days, work out. If I don't work out, like this morning, I was I did breakfast with my sister, uh, and I just jumped in the sauna for 20 minutes. I need to be active in some way that ignites and gets my day going. By and large, the reason that I do that is to feel a sense of accomplishment. And 
my the other thing which I think pales in comparison to all of that as I look across my life is making my bed like and I, and it's wild of like what making my bed means to me and it's funny when I talk to a friend or so that doesn't make their bed I'm like blown away mm. um, my mom used to make me miss the bus if my bed wasn't made to school and then walk to school and what I think that it does is gives you confidence in that you've accomplished a little something. And my entire day is thrown off. If, if I go to work or leave my home to start my day and my bed's not made, that means it's something like is totally off. And in life, to your point, like, I don't know, you, there's crazy things that happen. You might be going through some stressful stuff or my work might be crazy and you might have a two or three day stretch where everything's out of kilter and you got to like really go there, step outside to make stuff happen and then boom, get right back to your place. But like for me, my morning routine is wake up, be active, accomplish something that might be making breakfast, you know, but like a bad day is wake up not shower, put an outfit on, get out the door, and then buy like a bagel and a coffee, and then act like the day has started. Mm -hmm. Because then I go into whatever the first thing that I need to do with a sense of not even not accomplishment or confidence, a sense of the opposite. You know, you, you said make your bed, and it's so interesting that making my bed, I could miss prayer, well, I don't really miss prayer, but I could miss meditation, I can miss journaling, I can miss my reading. Um, I mean, God forbid, but like I could miss working out. Yeah. I never, it doesn't matter if I'm staying in a hotel, yeah. if I'm staying at a friend's place, if I am in a goddamn tent, <laughs> it's my crazy. Shit, my I agree, bro. I, I cannot. The making the, hotel, the making the bed in the hotel is like a beautiful one. Like <laughs> people look at me like I'm crazy. Yeah, I, I like, and, 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 and I would just like to say for anybody listening, you know, we've talked about so many different morning routines and rituals and habits on this podcast. If there's somebody who's listening right now and they're just like, God, I just need to figure out how to get started. If you don't do anything, start making your bed. Yeah. And you don't have to make it like, 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 a, like a, a, you know, someone cleaning your hotel room would make it, like everything tight and pulled and this. But and make like, it your you know, way. Make it your way. The beauty of making the bed too is not only that you get that like quick blast of serotonin from that positive action you just took in the morning, but the the for me I think the long term benefit is every time you walk into that room for the rest of that day, whether it's like after work, you drop your bag, mm -hmm. you go take a piss, whatever it is, you walk past your bed, it's made. Yeah. And it says I made my bed. There's a la there's a level of chaos in a space when you see blankets strewn and pillows mm -hmm. everywhere. Like it's it's not a stress free environment. Yeah, it's just not a stress free environment. Yeah, you know? but I also think it's such a simple thing and habits. And I do I don't know when, but I really do want to talk about COVID and what COVID did to habits and essentially the fall of religion in this country mm. and. What I believe in making the bed is this, a conversation with yourself in holding yourself accountable. And if you can find the most simple thing that you make a promise to your own self every day that you end up doing, you become more confident. 
because you then believe that you trust your own self because body and brain and wants and needs and desires and a lot of whether it's like alcoholism or like da -da, a lot of that comes to like, you know you want it, but then when it's right there, nah, nah, the easier way. And so to me, the making the bed is the first thing that's like, hey, I have this thing with myself. I, if I do that, I'm gonna be like, high five, dude. Closer. You're clearly Closer. about that life. And if you can do it in making your bed, then you can do it in going to the gym. Then you can do it in treating people well. Then you can do it in uh, responsibilities to employees and responsibilities to clients, whatever that might be. But I do think that that, and as someone that grew up Presbyterian, would not consider myself religious, haven't been to church in probably, I don't know if I've been since COVID, to be frank. Probably the last 10 years of my life was like Christmas Eve, when I'm with the family, we'll, we'll uh, you know, say grace every once in a while, like on holidays for meals. But for me, growing up, church was about showing up mm. on Sunday mornings. Mm -hmm. And for my mom, it was about putting the outfit on and showing up and being there. And if nothing else, you're making a commitment to the people around you and everything mm -hmm. to be there. It wasn't about every, I'm not deep in what I, I don't even know where my take is on like God and all that, but... When I think about church, I'm like, can you do something in a consistent manner? Mm -hmm. And I think that church and going to church or praying every night before bed is no different than making your bed. And what religion allows for is this start to, the way that you and I connect over the importance of making a bed gives us shared understanding, mm -hmm. shared values. When we leave at the very little, I know you make your bed, we have a shared belief system in some capacity. Religion and Mark Andreessen and Joe Rogan talked about this a lot was like Really in the heyday, there's like three or four religions So there's only three or four different types of people that have different ideals and it's like they do those things And so we can kind of trust in other areas that may not be about religion that we have a shared thing So that is definitely I think self habits can be some form of religion at times Even religion is unhealthy at times habits can be unhealthy, but as a relationship with self of like nope I'm going to do it. And there's non, there's other, all the things in life, your phone, all these other dopamine hits that can come in. Like if you can block those out to do that thing, boom, you're in control. Dude, the, 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 the something that I believe in at my core with every cell in my body, if you can commit to fitness and eating healthy consistently, you can do anything. There's nothing you cannot do. Because when you really think about how we're hardwired as beings, mm -hmm. before email, before computers, before iPhone, before social media, before fucking pen and paper, before mm -hmm. it was all about how strong you are mm -hmm. physically yeah, and how much food or what you were eating, mm -hmm. which is what made you successful mm -hmm. in life. Yeah. That was like for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Those two things. Can you survive the storm? Mm -hmm. And are you capable of fueling your system for success? Yeah. And so I look at that in a metaphoric way. If you can consistently work out in some way, yeah. doesn't have to be anything crazy, and be conscious about the food that you're fueling your system with, Consistently, mm -hmm. you can 
do anything. That's my story, and yeah. that's a lot of people's stories. And I think it goes to awareness, right? I've been doing a lot of meditating um, and is around just, like, general being aware. And I think that these certain well, habits... Well, let's talk about that. So, yeah. so, so Yeah, so there's the three so, habits. But, but just to wrap this up, because I went on religion, and then my other thing is I think COVID and, uh, like, what I struggled mightily during the period of COVID in that... I think a lot of habits that were shared from a community perspective that gives us all this notion of identity within an overall system were completely wiped away, mm. right? And so now you have a, a time where everyone is fighting to re-identify in ways that aren't yet existed. They go to the football game every Sunday. They wear the same five hoodies at work, and I know what they're going to show up in. They're in the office early. They come 20 minutes late, but they stay 30 minutes late. Like mm -hmm. we knew things about each other that allowed us to settle in and put any sort of like differences like to the kind of like aside because we had all these, I see the same person at the grocery store every mm -hmm. Tuesday at 7.30. That gives me reasoning. That gives me identity. That gives me some sort of like mm -hmm. life and understanding. You know, all of a sudden the person stops coming at 7.30. You're like, they were there for 10 years at 7.30 every Tuesday. Now they're not there. Oh, they must have moved. But now we don't know. No one knows anything. Uncertainty at, like, infinite, infinitum. In everywhere. Mm -hmm. There's not a single thing. Like, down to I feel slightly disconnected from my massively large family because it's, like, two years now. At the very least, I knew we were seeing each other for Thanksgiving, Christmas Day. Then COVID happened. So the last two years, I haven't. We haven't done those things. So now it's like, do you go back to that? Those things are traditions that were mm. my entire life. Yeah. Now you got to make those decisions, starting on new planes. So like the COVID thing, I think, plays into habits in a, in a very real way. And I think habits give a lot of identity to self that is more subconscious that you don't even realize that everyone is scrambling to try and figure out. I agree. I, I, think, I think COVID really polarized both positive and negative habits in a real way. And, um, and, and I say positive and negative because, you know, there were some people that took the opportunity to, like, get in the best shape of their life. Yeah. And then there were some people that actually decided to sleep yeah. more than ever yeah. before. We all get the choice, right? Like, we get to decide. The beauty of this, this podcast and I think the beauty of really, really sort of, like, putting a micro, microscope on, uh, on habits mm -hmm. for me is really being able to say you are what you do. Mm -hmm. Not what you think, not what you say, yeah. not the people you hang out with. I mean, the people you hang out with definitely impact and influence you as a human, but it, you're not them, yeah. um, and they're not you. Uh, so, like, even if you hang out with the most successful people in the world but choose to sleep in every day yeah. or choose to, like, fuck off and well, you're lie. you're probably not going to be hanging out with the most successful people in the world at Truth. that point then because they're going to be like, we don't want to hang out with you. Right. This podcast is brought to you by, you guessed it, Creatures of Habit. Creatures of Habit is a lifestyle and wellness brand rooted in functional nutrition. The protagonist is a superhuman, incredibly delicious instant and overnight oatmeal blend developed to feed your body the most optimized blend of vitamins, minerals, and macros. With premium oats, 30 grams of plant-based protein, omega-3 fatty acids, vitamin D3, a probiotic, and digestive enzymes in each pouch, you will never have to think about what to eat for breakfast, pre-workout or post-workout meal, or a healthy meal any time of the day in a pinch. Made four simple and convenient ways. One, just add hot water. Two, overnight in the fridge. Three, add to a delicious smoothie or simply put in the microwave. 
Take the stress out of worrying about what to eat for a healthy and delicious way to kickstart your day. And if you fast, this is the perfect meal one as it delivers wellness, satiety, and delicious flavors. Pop over to creaturesofhabit.com. That's creaturesofhabit.com with a K, creaturesofhabit.com, and put in promo code K-O-H-P-O-D-20 for 20% off your first order. I guess the point that I'm trying to make is ultimately we are in control Mm -hmm. of turning left, turning right, saying yes, saying no, pushing snooze, not. What are some habits that you do on a daily basis pretty consistently that have helped shape your focused person? Yeah, I would say, again, to start, make my bed. Something that probably the most consistent thing in my life at this point is I journal. Um, I write in my journal probably five days a week. Mm-hmm. I'm not like, it's not like seven days a week at this specific time, but journaling, again, another thing that like I feel, even if I just open and write two lines, I feel a sense of accomplishment. I feel a sense of accountability to my own self. So it's not a structured journal. It's really just like pages that you it's, write in. You're correct. And you just put a date on it? Boop, go for date, it. and I just go. And it helps me bring awareness to my internal conversations. Mm-hmm. It helps me bring awareness to things I want to accomplish. Right? If I write it down, then I'm holding myself accountable, and I can look back and be like, ah, you fucking idiot, you didn't do that. You know, or damn, you said that was going to be the case, right? I think that that's also a fun thing. A lot of times I'll write like what I think may occur and what have you. But yeah, And then I would say the active, because I know we're going to talk about some a habit that I've broken. But the other I would say is some sort of activity in the mm-hmm. morning, some sort of exercise. And to me, that now takes the form of working out, meditating, one or the other. Or if at the very least, go for a walk which goes back to why COVID was very tough for me. I do not do well. Zoom gives me anxiety. And the notion of here's my bed, here's my desk led to a lot of wake up, go to work. One thing that I want to say about that, because I think it's really also important to talk about that specifically for people that take a lot of meetings, right? Lots and lots of meetings. So Zoom obviously took took place for in-person meetings. Lots of people felt obligated to be on Zoom. Some people I saw in the early days weren't turning their camera on. I was like, "Mm, why is that person not turning their camera on? Um, and, And then I learned that Zoom was something that came into play. We all just thought for whatever reason, uh, it was just assumed it, there was an obligation to be visible on these meetings. However, mm-hmm. I couldn't touch you. Yeah. You weren't in my house. I wasn't at your house. I could see you, yeah. but I could also hear you. Yeah. So what I started doing uh, pretty early on was taking my Zoom calls on walks. Yeah. And if anybody asked me why I didn't have my camera on, I said, because I can hear you just fine. Yeah. I can hear you just fine. I don't, like before Zoom. Yeah, it was just a phone call. It was a phone call. Yeah. And so for anybody listening, like I have, I have re-jiggered all of my, not all of them, but like any virtual call that, that the only reason for virtual is obligation. Mm -hmm. I take on a call and I walk. Mm -hmm. And so if anybody's trying to figure out time to get outside, to get, to get a walking because uh, what, 50% of people are going back to the office. If that, mm-hmm. it's changed. The world has changed, yeah, right? Like, totally. you know, trying to get people back into the office is not an easy thing. And so I would just say like, 
schedule a call. Schedule a call for a meeting. You are going to get the exact, unless there needs to be a presentation that you need to see, mm -hmm. if it's just a verbal conversation that's happening on these, on these virtual meetings, yeah. take it as a call and go out for a walk. Yeah. Now, I, it's funny, my perspective, again, as someone, as an employer that has a lot of employees, and generally speaking, very young, there is an aspect of, okay, if we're not able to be in person, which currently is an open-ended thing, I foresee my creative team moving to three days a week in person. Mm -hmm. I think it's necessary. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a lot of things you learn, product of environment. And back to, you mentioned about like COVID, again, a lot of our habits our core daily habits are not really decisions that we've made. They are product of the environments that we grew up within. Mm -hmm. And with COVID, a lot of that was wiped out. So there is a lot of like, okay, what, I, I don't even know, I don't even realize that the subconscious decision that I was making every day no longer is a thing. And then we're kind of like grasping for what that looks like. But I, at times, as someone that doesn't love being on Zoom, feels that remote employees uh, at times do need to show their face in to show a shared understanding of like, you're showing up, you're showing up, you're showing up, I'm here focused as well. Because not everyone can, you know, if there's the one employee that's nine to six, supposed to be writing a lot, and they're calling you, they, they, they dial into the Zoom call and three people are on camera and the one person is out picking up lunch at 11 o'clock. Mm -hmm. well, are you as tapped in? Are you as focused? Did you make that commitment in the same way that the rest of the team did in a shared understanding of like, we're all here, we're mm -hmm. all sitting down, I hear we're you. all dialed in? I don't know the answers. No, These no, are I just a you. lot of debates and conversations that I'm currently I hear trying you. to I have hear of like, where do we go from here? I do believe that there is a difference between a team creative call where everybody needs to be focused and dialed yeah. and a check-in meeting with somebody I completely agree. that what is, is scheduled fun, as a Zoom. What is fun is that fun, daunting, all of it back to these weren't conversations we had before COVID right. because everything was established. Right, right. You just met. You were. It was like office. this is how it's done. Right, if right, it's a right. call, it's a call. Yeah. You don't need to even think about what I might be doing. I'm on right. the call. Yeah. Now, are you supposed to be on your camera? Are you not? Who makes that decision? Companies essentially do, but those take time because after five years of it being, you have the employees that also pass it down and get seeped through. Now, no one's sure. Mm -hmm. And then now it's leading to, are they doing the right thing? Or are they doing the right thing? Right. Are we even on the same right. team? I don't know. Well, this person doesn't have their camera on every call. This person does, which is the right answer. Mm -hmm. I, so I, which I, I think leads to where this notion of entitlement of the younger generation. But I also think that they're being put in a place where they're in systems that aren't inherently defined for a long period of time. I, I, I hear that, but I also, I, I have a feeling about that that topic pre-COVID. Yeah. I just do. I think yeah. I think social media in general and and the like 24-7-365 accessibility to anybody yeah. potentially 
has has changed the mentality. But but I want to I want to say that that I do I do want to distinguish this idea that like yes, I could I actually believe that there are certain meetings like a full team call where you've got your whole team mm-hmm. meeting and if and lots of people are remote like show the fuck up and be yeah. there. Yeah. But there is a dis- there is a there people have just been People have just been scheduling Zooms when they should be calls, yeah. and nobody's moving from their desk, yeah. and that's a fucking that's a problem. And I, I think it puts emphasis on leaders or gives empowerment. It's about it comes down to communication, and we were able to like in a pre-COVID world assumptions because we all just, it was like defined in a non-communicative way, mm-hmm. right? And now you very much have to over-communicate. Which a lot of times, back to fear, people have fear in having to make decisions, and a lot of communication is this is what I believe, mm-hmm. what have you, you know. So I do think that as leaders, you do need to be hard, fast in what your decision is, whether it's right or wrong, whether you believe you should have a camera on or not, and then communicate that. And I think that there's a lot of opportunity for someone that wants to either get ahead or move forward to be an an amazing communicator mm. because then things aren't left to assumption. What's uh, what does your wind down routine look like? You know, I would say it's probably the thing I'm weakest at as I sit here and play with my aura ring and I've been going back and forth again with my good buddy Andy who's on V Friends and he's shared me his score the last three days and he has a readiness of like 95 and like a sleep score of 87 and I woke up this morning with a readiness score of like 65 and a sleep of 72. Um, I, I, it's cell phone. Like I need to detach myself from digitization far sooner. Um, I just read an amazing book called Breathe or Breath. I keep always messing up what the word is by this guy, James Nestor. Breathe is with an E at the end. Yeah, so I think it's breath. (laughs) I think it was breath. Um, Just about breathing and the power of breathing. And so I find for sure data will show for me that if I detach from technology, meaning I put my phone like away from my bed, for the majority of the last eight and a half years of my life, I've pretty much fallen asleep looking at my phone, working, Twitter, Instagram, communicating, what have you. Mm. I've very much started to realize and take actions after listening to Zuckerberg and on, on Rogan talking about like what can success look like of like, I need to get away from digital stuff, do some breath work, for a little bit, maybe if I'm like really wired up, take a little melatonin before, but I do not have the right consistent answer, or at least I want to sleep well because I know it's incredibly important to health and everything. And now since I've been wearing this, like it just validates. I wake up, I'm like, I'm groggy. I look at the numbers, down. I wake up, I'm like, that felt good. Look at the numbers, it's up. And then you can just hypothesize what are the things that lead to that, Mm -hmm. prove it to be true or not. I know what I want, but I can't sit here and say I'm doing it in a way that I'm proud of. Cold. If I can give one piece of advice there for anybody listening as well, I think winning and success also has a lot to do with boundaries mm-hmm. and discipline. Mm-hmm. Discipline comes over time and experience and confidence. But boundaries is something that you can begin starting like right now, right? Yeah. For years coming up as a, as a business owner, 
even before I was a business owner, you know, going to school, working in restaurants, like I didn't draw any healthy boundaries. Yeah. I just said, fuck it. I'm going full go. F- all in. And, and I think, I think that there was a level of, of like, that was necessary, right? Yeah. Like I, when I opened up the meatball shop, I worked realistically yeah. 16 to 18 hours what a day. What year did you open meatball shop? 2010. 16 to 18 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, no days off for um, something like 18 months. Mm-hmm. And my wife basically took me aside and said, I love you dearly, but this is not okay. And this, this, this won't last, basically. Yeah. You know? And so I, I, I learned the hard way there, right? I, I, I now know that success and winning to me is also saying, okay, I've done enough. I'm not gonna finish the world. <laughs> I'm not, it's impossible for me yeah. to get done all the things I wanna do today. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna draw, draw this line. I'm gonna fucking shut the computer. I'm gonna take the phone, even though it's so hard at times, at six o'clock, face down on my kitchen table, refocus with my wife, my kids. I'm gonna do that. I'm going yeah. to do it. If I need to get back to it, which I really try not to, and I really try to believe that I yeah. have what it takes to get my shit done between 8 a.m. and 5:30 p.m. Yeah. If I'm a, if I'm a if I'm a if I'm a strong focused leader and CEO, if I can't get the things or at least come close to getting the things done, not putting like an absolute enormous amount on my plate, if I can't get them done in eight and a half nine hours a day. I'm doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. I used to believe it, it, it was like, no, 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 man. Like you need, it, like if you're not working 12 hours a day, you are not, you are not yeah. at the level. Yeah. And now I know that not to be true. Yeah. Like I believe that I get way more done now between 7.38 and 5.30 than I did working from nine to 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. I just believe yeah, I, 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 it makes sense to me. I, I, and it's, there is an aspect, I think, I just, I mean, when I think about this device, like, I, I believe I'm in the seat I'm in right now because of my curiosity and interest around tech and Steve Jobs and Apple. I was a huge Apple fanboy and everything, but this device is, what, 14 years old, and I think it's the most impactful thing in the course of human history, and we don't even know where it's going or what's happening. And I think to your point, like I have at some point an unhealthy addiction to it. And there's a lot of diminishing. You think you're accomplishing something and you're actually doing nothing. So start today. Yeah. Just draw the fucking boundary. Yeah. And and I'll, like, I, I'm actively like working to it. It's just not in a consistent manner in any aspect. And, and that's what it comes down to is like, you got to make it. A habit and habit take time. Uh, the, uh, in college, I read the book um, "The Power of Habit" by Charles Duhigg. I think the guy's name is mm-hmm. fantastic, life changing book. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was interesting what you said about because I do this a lot, and I even talked about it last night. You said phone down, computer closed. Then you didn't just say and then be with the family. You said refocus. There needs to be a transition. I agree. That Which, energy that that you just described, work, busy, fast paced, move quick, you know, th- like just nonstop, bzz, bzz, like that energy is 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 a very very intense energy that that you love, I love, uh, my little 
kids, my wife, do not like that energy. Yeah. They don't like, I'm not saying that I'm not my best in that energy because yeah. for that for that world, I am at my best in that energy, but that energy brought through to this energy is like catastrophic. I, I agree. And it's something I've really, and that's where I think breath work, meditation has very much helped in helping parse some of those things out. Um, we got to wrap this thing yep, up. I yep, want to, yep. um, I want to talk about your, a habit that you've broken. Yeah. And, uh, and then I've got the final question. Cool. The habit that I've really broken is in a world where we, at least with Gary work, everything is like, yes, culture, yes, mentality is, um, not habitually saying yes to everything. You know, I think that a by a major part of the reason I'm sitting in this chair and you have interest in speaking to me and the success I've had over the last 10 years work-wise and meeting a ton of people and having awareness around who I am and what have you was saying yes to just about everything and then figure it out. What I've now come to realize is it's not only detrimental to myself, but a lot of times saying you say yes to what you do, what you think is pleasing other people mm-hmm. and actually leads to the opposite. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times saying no and being upfront is what people really would rather appreciate than saying yes and having to course correct or adjust on what you've said you're gonna do. I agree with you and I think it's so hard when you're getting going. It's yeah. so hard to adopt the no, because no is such a powerful word, such a successful word, yeah, super successful word. But I do think coming up, it's hard when you're really, really trying, because you're, you're doing what you want to have. Correct. Right? And so when you're doing what you want to have, it's hard to, to delineate what yes and what no is going to get you closer to that have. Mm-hmm. Um, I could not agree more with you. And I still, to this day, have to practice. I have literally people around me that are like, Mike, you need to say no yeah. to that. Like, that has to be a no. Yeah. You know, like, you can, you can think about it, but I'm, we're telling you, as your crew of, of, of people that believe in everything we're doing here, like, it's a no. Yeah. And, uh, and so I appreciate that. Um, the last question is a question I ask everyone. You do a lot, dude. You've done a lot. You're young. You are incredibly successful. You have built and you haven't even scratched the surface of what's to come over the next 50, 60 years of your life uh, as a, as a, as a, you know, person in business. And um, why do you do it every day? (laughs) There's two very different answers. The first one is I want to buy my mom a horse. (laughs) I love that. Like in a real way, I I want to... uh, for a variety of different reasons, like it is my dream to be able to acquire enough resources and wealth to get my mom a couple horses and have her do whatever she may please with them. She, it is the heartbeat of her life and um, for reasons or not or what have you, she rides, she does her thing, but like get her her own horses, be able to have them where she wants them and what then I think will lead to that being a positive impact on many, many, many other people's uh, 
lives. My mom's like my hero, cold mama's boy, like through and through. I don't think I was able to sleep out, like do a sleepover with my boys till I was like 15, 16 years old. Like my mom has sacrificed her pretty much entire life uh, to raise myself and my two sisters. And that would be the, the, the first answer. Uh, and then the second answer is different is like, because it's fun, right? I'm just having fun. I haven't ever been able to do the where do you want to be in five years. I haven't ever been able to define what it is I want to do or do or, hey, do you, like this in life. We talked before about like, yeah, I want to get 50 acres and build a little, you know, gardens that go on for the next hundred years that people can come. And I want to put benches all over the world <laughs> that are donated, you know, from Schmidt Foundation so people can sit and look at a nice view and be like, that's a dope bench who put this here. But it's, it's reality is like, I feel like I've been able to have a very and grateful uh, fun life. And that's what drives me. Yeah. Just having fun. I love that. Yeah. Discovery and buying horses, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you this and we'll finish here. Two years ago, I bought my wife a horse and, uh, she has it in the stable of her dreams. And when you said that to me, I got chills all over my body. Cause I said to myself, you know, you're 10 years younger than me. And I just know that's going to happen for you. Like, I, I, like, I just know, I, I don't even, there's not a, like, I literally just got shows again. There's not a doubt in my mind that you're, you're going you're gonna to have the, the awesome day of being able to call mom and say, hey, meet me, you know, on so-and-so street road, yeah. you know, whatever. And yeah. she's going to show up and you're going to have this amazing, beautiful horse. Uh, dude, you're a legend. Love you, bro. Thank this you so much. Fun. Love you too, man. I really yeah. appreciate you hopping on. Of course. Uh, where can the uh, the audience find you? Uh, best place I'd say communicate if you listen to this, if it's been fun in any way, Instagram, just at Tyler. Um, somehow, some way, by grace of God, got the, <laughs> the handle. Uh, just Tyler, uh, my first name, no underscore or anything on Instagram. Um, has uh, just been able to be in the right conversations or rooms at times and I'm not able to help someone get their first name as Instagram I wouldn't be able to get it myself if today this was before social media became what social media was but yeah hit me up on Instagram I, I do DMs every single day uh, just at Tyler on Instagram sick dude yeah. thank you man yeah. super super valuable awesome like totally i'm like i could sit here and talk to you for hours and yeah hours. i know i'm like looking at the <laughs> clock i'm like i'm supposed to be on a call in one minute i could just keep going but it's been fun brother thank you appreciate you man thank you thanks. guys for thanks uh, team another episode of creatures of habit podcast you guys are the best and there you have it folks i hope we delivered some valuable content for you to implement into your life on a daily basis Please remember that our habits have the power to make us or break us. Replacing bad habits with great ones is the answer to living a life of happiness, optimism, and high performance. We are capable of achieving anything. We all have what it takes to give it all we've got. Commit to one great habit each day and truly commit and watch how everything in your life starts evolving from good to great. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow us wherever you listen to your podcast. Give us a five-star rating and a nice review that will help us grow this podcast, bring on more amazing guests, 
and continue to deliver invaluable content on a weekly basis. Lastly, please share this podcast with any friends or family that you think might appreciate it. And always remember, want plus do equals have. Until the next one, fam. Peace.